Welcome to the Girl, Get Your Voice Back podcast, a podcast all about helping women to overcome condemnation and silence shame by standing on the promises of God and coupling faith with action. Four times a month, I deliver the truth that many don't want to hear, but if you heed to what I'm saying, you're bound to be set free and walk boldly in your assignment. I'm your host, Ebony D. James, and I aim to amplify women's voices and help them to walk into their God-given mandate fearlessly and strategically. Hey y'all, today we're talking all about the spirit of intimidation and the deception surrounding intimidation, what it is and how to turn what the enemy meant for evil for good with a simple mindset shift, right? We're going to be talking about inferiority, we're going to be talking about insecurity, and we're going to be talking about how to break those things ultimately. And so our anchor scripture for today is going to be coming out of 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. And of course, this is another popular scripture that we all have heard. We all probably know um, by the back of our hand. And it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so when we're thinking about that scripture, you probably are wondering like, what they got to do with intimidation? What does that have to do with feeling inferior? What does that have to do with insecurity? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So let's let's get into that, right? Because fear is a manifestation of intimidation. So when we're talking about the spirit of intimidation, the spirit of insecurity, all of those things boil down to the spirit of fear, right? It all entangles. And when I get into some of these definitions, you're going to see why that makes sense, right? The word intimidate, right? This overall arching topic for today's episode is all about the spirit of intimidation. And the word intimidate literally means to make fearful, to make fearful the spirit of fear. And so let's dig deeper. When we're talking about to intimidate, it means to make fearful. It means to make timid. It also means to compel or to deter. So you're going to make someone do something or hinder someone from doing something by the means of threats. It also implies fear or a sense of inferiority into another. Intimidation also means to demand submission as a way to control. Y'all, that definitions are so powerful. I say this almost every episode, but they are so powerful. So when you're going and doing your Bible studies and digging deeper into the word of God, or you're listening to pastors and preachers, make sure you go and define these words. Get you a concordance and go and dig deeper into these words. Get you a dictionary and a thesaurus um, so you can get into the meanings of these words and literally see even what's behind a a word what's the meaning behind some of these words and so intimidation another word for intimidation is bulldoze to bully to constrain to dishearten to scare to subdue or to terrify these are synonyms for for the word intimidate or intimidation so let's focus on the definition that says to intimidate means or implies to fear or sense of inferiority. To intimidate implies fear or sense of inferiority, right? And in order for us to dig deeper into that definition, we need to know what it means 
um, when we say inferiority, right? And inferiority is the condition of being lower in status or quality or standard or rank. So you're lower in rank, you're lower in status, you're lower in quality, you're lower in standard, right? These, this is a condition of being lower than another person or other people. It's a condition of being lower than. Synonyms for inferiority is inadequacy, inability, lack, mediocrity, lesser, and worthlessness, right? So usually when you feel inferior, you also feel some of these synonyms, right? Oh, if I'm inferior, then I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I'm capable. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not qualified enough. So those words that we think about when we hear this whole um, idea of imposter syndrome, it's, it's basically the inferiority complex. And that's a term that we use in psychology. Now, side note, in undergrad, I started off as a psychology major. And I completed most of the credits for a psychology major, but I realized after um, two unsuccessful attempts, in biology that this just wasn't my thing, right? And it wasn't because of psychology, it was because biology just wasn't your girl's thing. And maybe it could have been because I had two foreign professors who I could not understand. But lo and behold, we didn't get through. So I ended up switching my major from psychology to sociology because it was like the closest thing to it and I actually fell in love with social work and sociology. Anywho, the American Psychological Association or the APA defines an inferiority complex as a basic feeling of inadequacy and insecurity deriving from actual or imagined physical or psychological deficiency. Right? So when we were talking about inferiority, all of those synonyms for that word inadequacy, inability, lack, mediocrity, lesser, worthlessness, all of those synonyms also hinted towards a, deficient, a deficiency. It was a deficit. And so at its core, the inferiority complex is a feeling used to denote a strong sense of being less than, of, of, of lacking, of deficiency. Like, Y'all, this is so good. And when we have this understanding, we can understand the signs. When we know and can identify a spirit that's operating in ourselves or even in others, like if you're a mentor, if you're a mother, if you're a teacher or a coach, and you can discern spirits or you can ask God to give you the gift of discerning those spirits. And when you can identify the spirits that are operating in a person or in yourself, then you'll be able to see the signs and recognize these signs and you will be able to coach that person or mentor that person or guide that person or pray with this person to target these things, to, to reverse these things. And so here's a few signs of inferiority. Here's signs that you may struggle with or someone you know may struggle with an inferiority complex. Who They may struggle with the spirit of intimidation. They may struggle with insecurity. So signs of intimidation or inferiority are one, negative thoughts. Negative thoughts. So you may or you may know someone who are constantly thinking about negative things. And it's not like negative things and like, oh, I'm always thinking about sex and I'm single. It could be, it, it, I'm not talking about 
always focus on negative thoughts that are saying to you that you're not good enough. That are saying to you, oh, you're not qualified enough. That are saying to you, oh, you don't have enough. You don't have the tools. You don't have the resources. You need to do that big thing. God is giving you a, a big dream, a big vision. He's called you to something much greater than yourself. And you recognize that you can't do it outside of him, right? And so the enemy wants to make you think that you not being able to do it without God is more than just that. He wants you to believe that, no, you're not even equipped to do this. You're not even qualified to do this. You don't even have the degree to even be able to go and have an authority in this area. This is what the enemy wants to make you believe. He wants to, oh, you're not cute enough. Oh, you don't dress right enough. Like, you're not able to go here or do this or say this because of these, all of these different things. And so when you're seeing these negative thought patterns and cycles constantly repeat themselves in your life, this is a sign that you deal with the spirit of intimidation, right? That you deal with inferiority and these thoughts are literally constantly reminding you that you are lesser than, that you are inadequate, that you are that you're worthless, that you don't have an ability to do what God is calling you to do. And we know that that isn't true, right? And so you have negative thoughts or you know someone who are constantly having negative thoughts. And this may also manifest as you assume the worst, you believe the worst, you think the worst about yourself or other people all the time. Even if you're trying to overcome and you don't want to, your go-to is to assume the worst about people. Oh, they're out to get me. Oh, they think they better than me. Oh, she's she's so much prettier than me. Oh, she has all the resources. Like, you're always thinking. And even if the thing is something good for that person, your thinking it and your communicating of that or your thought is that it's negative. But it puts them higher on a pedestal and you lower right because yeah maybe she is cute but that doesn't mean she thinks she's cuter than you maybe she does dress nice but that doesn't mean she dressed nicer than you maybe she does have six degrees but that doesn't mean she's equipped to do what god has called you to do better than you and so we have to get out of the, that negative mindset and that negative thought pattern because it's literally going it's gonna put a greater divide between you and that person because you're constantly building a person up and putting yourself down or it'll cause you to judge you know unrighteously so you're judging someone because it's really jealousy and envy and so that brings us to number two where another sign of inferiority or the spirit of intimidation are negative feelings you begin to feel ashamed you're feeling guilty you're feeling embarrassed and worthless and defeated due to comparison even all of your negative thoughts are usually you comparing yourself to someone else you're judging someone else based on what they do or what you perceive that they can do or what you perceive their situation is or what you perceive their life is like all of these are based on like the um, APA said these and all of these things are based on actual or imagined physical or psychological deficiency. You are, most of the times you can only see what you see on social media. You only know or what you heard about. But a lot of times it's really imagined. You only believe these things to be true. You only assume these things to be true. And so now, because you have been having all of these negative thoughts, about yourself and about others now you are experiencing 
these emotions and these feelings that are large part due to comparison. And so you become extremely sensitive or you may notice that you or your child or your, your friend or your mentee or whoever, you may notice that now you're extremely sensitive to compliments or criticisms. That's, you can tell you deal with some inferiority or some intimidation when someone's like, hey girl, you look so cute today. You like, girl, you find a negative. Instead of you saying, thank you girl, I tried my best today. Or thank you girl, I appreciate it. Thank you girl, you look cute too. Instead of you responding that way, you're not saying thank you. You're like, girl, I do not look cute. Girl, I just roll that way. Like you have to say something negative so, cause you can't receive a positive compliment, right? Don't we do that? Like, it can't be, oh girl, thank you so much. You do too, or something like that. It's, no, it's like, girl, I know I look crazy. Like, girl, this is, I'm just in filthy rags. Girl, I got this from the Dollar Tree. You know, like you can't, you can't say nothing else complimentary about your own self. And so you have to be critical about even your own self. So you're extremely sensitive to even positive comments when people come and say something nice. Oh, girl, your hair looks so cute. Girl, I ain't washed my hair in three days. Like, girl, why do we do that sometimes, right? It's a sign. Those are negative feelings, negative thoughts that we have about our own self that are being manifested when people try to give us a positive compliment. Or if someone's giving you criticism, Right? Because we don't like we don't like correction. We don't like accountability. We don't like rebuke. We don't like redirection. We don't like out because we get offended. So when somebody's giving you criticism or feedback about something that you're doing, maybe it's your supervisor or your boss, and they're telling you, like, no, you didn't do this correctly. Now you're extremely sensitive. Oh, they gonna fire me. They just said you didn't do the thing right. They didn't say you were about to get fired. You know, you in school and they're like, okay, that's wrong. You didn't, you didn't write that right. That's not the same meaning or whatever. And you go, oh my goodness, I'm going to fail. You go to the worst extreme possible because you are extremely sensitive to criticism. That's why when a spiritual parent is telling you something, you get offended and you want to leave and walk away versus taking the criticism and the feedback, using it to turn it for your good. And so... Other signs when we're dealing with these negative feelings are low self-esteem, low self-confidence. You feel incapable and stuck. Like, oh, I can't do anything. So you find yourself in these patterns of stagnation. Like, I'm, you're just always stagnant. You start stuff, but you can't finish it because you're stuck. You feel like you're incapable of completing things. You feel like you're incapable of being successful. You feel like you're incapable of achieving things, right? That's why we don't apply for the grants. That's why we don't go and apply for the scholarships. That's why we don't go and do all of these things that could help us or benefit our businesses or our education or, or whatever because I ain't going to get in no way. Negative feelings, negative thoughts. Right? And then, so we have negative thoughts, we have negative feelings, and then we have negative behaviors. Because don't you know that your thoughts, it start in your thought. Right? You start feeling some type of way, so then you start thinking certain things, and then those thoughts turn into actions. 
those thoughts turn to action. So then you start speaking things based off of what you thought. You already thought, you felt it in your heart, you thought it in your mind, and now you're speaking it out of your mouth. It's a word curse. You're speaking word curses about yourself. You're speaking word curses about your children. You're speaking word curses about your finances. You're speaking word curses about your achievements and your ability to be successful. You're speaking word curses about where you see yourself in the future because of a negative thought, because of negative emotions and feelings. And so now you have these negative behaviors. So speaking is one. But then you also may start isolating yourself. You don't want to be around people and you think you're trying to take a break. You think you're trying to rest and you're the devil. The enemy is really putting you in a place of isolation because now you ain't, there's no accountability in isolation. There is no accountability in isolation. And so now you find yourself being isolated. You're not answering your phone. You're not texting people back. You're not coming out to hang out in girls night. You're not coming to life group. You're not coming to Bible study. We're, we're putting on all of these situ things in these events and you're not coming. You're not showing up and you're not communicating, right? Now you're being isolated because guess what? If he can get you isolated, he can get you to sin. He can get you to have more negative thoughts and more feelings and then you find your place in such a deep hole and such a deep pit and now you're struggling to climb out. You know what I'm saying? Now you're in this deep state of depression and you're like, how did I get here? It, it, it started off as something simple and it, it led you there, right? And so we have to be sure and recognize the signs of like, oh, I'm, I'm, get, I'm being isolated. I'm getting further and further away from friends, people who you know love you, people who you love, people who you desire to be in relationship with, you find yourself isolating yourself. And then, so that also goes to withdrawing from others. So maybe, maybe you're in relationship, maybe you will answer your phone, but you're, every time they say, girl, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. And you know you're struggling. Cause some people say you good cause then you good. You know what I'm saying? But then you have others who be like, oh, I'm good. And you're deep, you're depressed. You're literally fighting and crying at night. And it's like, oh, I'm good. Cause you become withdrawn. You, you don't even want to tell people where you are because you think it's going to be frowned upon or that you're going to be judged for being where you are. And people can't help you when they haven't, when they don't know where you are, when you're not being vulnerable and communicating your situation. Like if people don't know, you can't pay your rent. Like if you haven't told someone like, man, I'm struggling, I'm trying to pay my rent. How can they be a blessing? Like, of course, God can tell people to serve to you and they can be obedient and do that. But then if you have a friend who could support you, and you know you love and trust this person. Why well, wouldn't you? Like, hey, I'm struggling right now. If you could, could you? Like, you don't have to. It's, it's no, you know, open up. Be vulnerable. Be, use confession. Confession saved my life. Confession saved my life. It took me from a low place to a higher one. Okay? Confession will change your life. Vulnerability will change your life. Right? Negative behaviors. Also, like I said, when you're speaking things about, you start speaking things about yourself, you start, you start demeaning other people. You're, 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 you're judging them. You're talking about them. You're trying to get people to think bad about this person. You're gossiping. You're demeaning others because of you feeling intimidated. Right? Oh, girl, she thinks she know everything. Oh, she did, she that. You know, he this, he that. 
Oh, they think they got it all together, but they, they, this, they struggling with this. Oh, they don't have this. You know what I'm saying? Now you're finding yourself gossiping because you are intimidated. The spirit of intimidation. Or you begin to seek attention and validation in all of the wrong ways. Right? You're trying to do too much to try to be seen. You want to do too much to stand out. And it's like, why are you trying to be seen and get attention and validation? Let's slow down. Let's take a step back, right? Those are negative behaviors. And then the last one I'll say when we're talking about negative behaviors is you, you give up easily. You give up easily. That's that, that's that spirit of intimidation. It's like, man, I'm not going to even try. I'll start, but then I'm just going to give up. Oh, it didn't work the first time. Oh, I failed once. I'm just going to give up because I'm a failure. Right? That's, that's the kind of things that you find yourself saying when you struggle with the spirit of intimidation. When you struggle with the inferiority complex. But then also notice that it mentions feeling insecure. So the APA definition says an inferiority complex is a basic feeling of inadequacy and insecurity. Right? And so when we get into the definition of insecurity, we're talking about the quality or state of being insecure. And I hate those definitions because it's like you just use the word. It is like, what's that? Okay? And so it's a state or feeling of anxiety, of fear, or self-doubt. If you're insecure, then there's a deficient in assurance, which is normally beset by fear and anxiety. If you're insecure, you will notice that you're not highly stable, or you will notice that you're well-adjusted, right? You're not highly stable or well-adjusted. What does that mean? The Bible says, a, 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 a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways, right? So if you're insecure, then you're probably double-minded as well. You're not confident. You're not sure. You're not able to make decisions. These are the definitions of insecurity. Not highly stable or well-adjusted. Not confident or sure. Deficient in assurance. Beset by fear and anxiety. So if you're struggling with insecurity, you're probably going to struggle with anxiety, Overwhelm, self-doubt, fear, right? Synonyms for insecurity is self-doubt, uncertainty, hesitancy, indecision. So it's literally hindering your ability to make healthy decisions. It causes you to hesitate when God is telling you to do something, right? It's causing you, like you know you hear from God, but then some certain things when it's a bigger step of faith that you got to make, you become uncertain. Like, is this God? Is this me? Is this the devil? Like, then you all of a sudden, you don't know who it is talking to you. Right? You're uncertain. You start doubting yourself. You start doubting your ability to hear from God. It's like, well, you heard God clearly in this situation, but now, because this requires a greater step of faith, this requires something bigger and better. This requires you to truly depend on God because you know this can't be you. Now, insecurity starts to creep in, right? And so the signs are feelings of inadequacy, a lack of self-confidence, right? Or sometimes you go to a whole nother extreme and now perfectionism begins to kick in, right? And perfectionism creeps in when we're insecure. That doesn't even make sense sometimes. It's like, wait, what? I'm insecure about my ability to do this job well, 
And so I'm going to be a perfectionist. But usually perfectionists perfectionist find themselves taking longer to complete projects. Right? Because oh, it got to be right. Because you're insecure. If it's wrong, you're going to feel some type of way. If you mess up, you're going to feel some type of way. If you fail once, you're going to feel some type of way. Signs of insecurity is people around you could be living a best life. They're successful. They're doing their achievements. They're checking off their list. They're meeting their goals. And now you're envious. You're jealous. Right? It's people around you who have things that, you don't, that you've been praying for for years. Somebody got a new car. Somebody, they just bought a new house. Somebody just paid off all of their debt. And now you're envious and you're jealous. Insecurity. You become very critical of yourself. You, be, you probably struggle with fear of rejection or, or fear of abandonment or fear of disapproval. So now you're overcompensating because you don't want anyone to reject you. You're, you're people pleasing because you don't want people to disapprove of you. You're, you're, you're developing soul ties and, and opening yourselves up because you don't want anyone to leave or abandon you. You become dependent on a person's approval. You become dependent on a person's acceptance. And the fear of that being taken is because of insecurity. You begin to self-sabotage. Things are going well and like right before you get to the breaking point, you do something to mess it up. Self-sabotage. Like I said, double-mindedness or uncertainty. You can't make a decision. Anxious in relationships. Oh, I don't know how this is. Like, you're, you're in a great relationship. You're dating someone, you're in a great relationship. But then you get anxious in the relationship because you're like, oh, it's too good to be true. Then you start self-sabotaging the relationship. You're not answering the phone. You start changing up all of the things because you self-sabotage because you're anxious. Oh, this may not last. Oh, this is too good. Oh, something must be wrong with him because he's too nice. Don't we do that? Insecurity because you're not securing your own identity. So you start jeopardizing relationships because of insecurity. You begin to shrink around others, right? I used to struggle with that. I know I'm highly capable, highly qualified, but I'll go in places and I will not say anything. Or because people have not listened before or have not heeded my advice, I'm not going to say nothing. I'll shrink back. You know, I'll not say nothing. And then the very thing that I said to do, they'll end up doing it later. Right? But you can't shrink around others. It's insecurity. You have to make, be who God called you to be and be that in boldness and confidence. Because if he's put you in a place, if he's put you in an environment, if he's put you in the marketplace, if he's put you in ministry, whatever it is, if he's put you there, you have something to offer. You have something to give. He has equipped you for that place. And so you can't afford to shrink back. You can't afford to keep silent. You can't afford. People are depending on your leadership People are depending on your confidence. People are depending on you to speak up and speak out about certain things. People need what you have to offer. People need your expertise. People need your, your answers. People need what you have. And then the last thing I'll say when it comes to insecurity or signs of insecurity is you struggle with, you know, sometimes people say fight or flight. But in this instance, you don't fight you just like, 
you you freeze that hesitancy part, right? You freeze. You don't know what to do, so you freeze. I was um, Darius and I went to go see. Um, it was a movie called Breaking, I think. And there was many times in the movie. So the guy he robbed the um the he didn't even rob the bank, right? He was trying to get his voice heard. And he just needed them to put the $800. He wanted the VA to put the money back in his account that they had stole from him wrongfully, right? And so he goes to stick up this bank because he's trying to get the attention of the media and the people. And all he wants them to do is put this $800 something back into his account so he can buy his daughter a dog, right? And so there was, and so he had already let basically everybody who was in the bank go except two women. And um, if, if you haven't heard, if you haven't watched the movie and you want to, just skip over this part because I'm going I'm to ruin it for you. Or I'm just going to give you a few details, right? And so multiple times in this story, the two women had opportunities to literally get up out of there, right? They could have left multiple times and been, been gone, been good. But a lot of times one of the women would freeze like one particular time she literally it was a clear he, the guy he was in the bathroom on the phone talking to his daughter you, you had a good five minutes to the dip and the lady was like come on let's go let's go let's go we out of here the door was unlocked they had a clear path to freedom and they froze. One of the ladies, she just froze. She was like, no, what if he catches me? What if, what if this? He may have a gun. They were like, he ain't had no gun the whole time. Where he, he even just pull it out of his head. Like, he had no gun. He wasn't hurting them. Like, none of that. It was all of these threats of what he was. And so, she literally would not move. And that's where freeze come in. Right? Sometimes when we're feeling insecure, we just run. We run away from it all. We don't want to be a part of anything. We run. We run from help. People were trying to help us and give to us and meet needs that we know we need met, but we run. Or we fall. It's like, oh, I'm just going to fall. You know? I'm, I'm going to freeze. I'm going to flight or I'm going to fall. But you don't fight. You don't push through. And so, these are the signs. And it's so important that we identify and recognize these signs of the spirit of intimidation, the, the signs specifically toward the, the, um, in, the, not the intimidation, but the insecurity, the signs of insecurity, the signs of inferiority. These are all pieces of the spirit of intimidation. But there's hope. I, just, I want to encourage you all that there is hope. In all of this, there is hope. Like I said in the anchor scripture, God did not give us a spirit of fear. He did not give us insecurity. It's not from him. Inferiority, it's not from him. But he gives us the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and a sound mind. A sound mind is not double-minded. A sound mind is not hesitant. A sound mind isn't unsure. It isn't uncertain. It isn't wavering. A sound mind is sound. It's very clear on the steps it needs to take. It's very focused, right? And so that's why I said in the beginning, we're going to be talking about what the enemy meant for evil, how God can turn that thing for good. That's according to Genesis 50 verse 20, right? And this is, 
I would say this would be the second anchor scripture. So if you're writing these scriptures down, be sure to look at Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. And another version says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I could run right here. I could run. I could literally just go take off. And so if you know this scripture in Genesis 50, you have Joseph. This is Joseph talking to his brothers. He's like, y'all intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Y'all thought this was going to take me out, but God is using this for my good. He's using it for the good. It's, it's to accomplish what's already happening right now, right? The enemy meant to silence me, to make me feel um, condemned and ashamed and guilty. He wanted me to feel all of these different things, but what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it for my good to accomplish what I'm doing right now on these podcasts, right? The saving of many lives, the repentance of many people, the coming out, the speaking out of many people, what the enemy meant for good, whatever that thing is for you, what the enemy meant for evil, whatever that thing is for you, I'm here to tell you and to encourage you that the Lord is going to do good for that thing, that same thing that you've been struggling with. So when we're talking about the spirit of intimidation, the enemy wants you to believe that, oh, this person is intimidating me. So he wants you to run. He wants you to run away. He wants you to fight. He wants you to freeze. He wants you to be offended. He wants you to be upset. He wants you to, oh, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm church church, so I'm going to dip. I'm going to lead the faith. I'm going to break off all these relationships that I've built over the years. He wants you to be intimidated by these people and to feel, oh, they're just trying to control me. He wants you to think that. Why? Because if he can get you to think that, then there's no way for the enemy to turn into good because you, uh, you dip. There's no way for the Lord to turn into good because now you're gone. Right? And so, in this scripture in Genesis 50, Joseph is talking to his brothers. And he's reassuring his brothers after they have come to tell him about the death of his father and they're coming to seek forgiveness. And in the midst of all Joseph has faced, we all know the story of Joseph and how his brothers basically fake his death because of the dream and all of these different things. And so they faked his death because of insecurity, because of intimidation from a dream. And so he, this is him reassuring them. He's like, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. And then if you go on further to read verse 21, it says, Now, therefore, do not be afraid. Do not be intimidated for where you see me at now. Don't, don't be fearful. Don't be timid. Don't be insecure. Don't, be, if, don't feel inferior. It says, don't be afraid. Because I'm going to provide for you and your little ones. Joseph is like, man, I know what y'all did to me. I know... Even on that, I already forgave y'all for that. Don't, but listen, don't be afraid because I got y'all. I'm gonna provide for you and your household. Every need y'all have is on me. And it says, and then Joseph comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This is good. Go read Genesis 50. This will bless your life. This is how you, literally that insecurity you 
struggling with that inferiority complex you're struggling with, intimidation. Listen, I used to, let me give y'all my story, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself. But before I say that, the enemy wants you to feel intimidated and insecure so you can be jealous, so you can be envious and hateful. He wants to use you as a vessel of dishonor. He wants to use you as a person who gossips to hinder the promise of God in someone's life, to hinder the promise of God in your own life. And that's going to keep you stagnant and ineffective. So the enemy can make you feel like the person who, your midwife, the person who he seeks, the Lord seat in your life to burn out your purpose, to push you out, to help develop your character, to help develop and strengthen you. If the enemy can get you to feel like, oh, they too much. They think they better than me. Um, they trying to control me. If the enemy can get you to believe that about that person, he's going to hinder the promise that's on your life. Because then you'll run away. But then just like Joseph's brothers, you'll find yourself circling back around, seeking forgiveness, seeking support and provision from the very person that you were supposed to receive from years ago. But pride and insecurity and intimidation kept you from it. Listen, you'll notice when the spirit of intimidation and insecurity are operating in your life because your focus is always on other people. You're always trying to see what someone else is doing. You're always trying to trying to see how they're moving. You're always judging them. You're always focused on them. Your focus is not on God. Most of the times, your focus isn't on yourself because you're so busy puffing this person up and putting yourself down that all you can see is them. Right? You'll notice that what you think about yourself is usually negative and critical. But however, when you're looking at things from a, a biblical perspective, from an eternal perspective, when you're looking at these things with a mindset that is stayed on God, right? Instead of you being intimidated and insecure, you're inspired. You begin to understand that that person carries something that you need to learn, to, to glean from. They carry something that can help you birth out what God has put on the inside of you. That can help you birth out. You'll realize that instead of shutting down, instead of shutting down around that person, instead of shrinking back, instead of fleeing, instead of running away or avoiding them altogether, you'll understand that you may actually need to be establishing a relationship and drawing closer to that person. And so, this is an example. Getting back to that. So, for me personally, I remember so. I've seen myself in the spirit multiple times. And usually women who I've seen myself as in the spirit, so women who carry what I see myself carrying, let me say it like that. I'm usually, when I first see them or see their ministry or see them operating, right, the spirit of intimidation tries to creep up so heavily. And because I recognize the signs, because I understand this very thing that I'm teaching y'all, I now know what it is. And I'm like, oh, no, I need something from that person. So I'll throw season to that person in their person's ministry. I'll watch their videos and take notes, right? I'll purchase their books and read their books. Why? Because that person has something I need. Why else would the enemy be trying to make me feel insecure around them? Why else would the enemy want me to feel intimidated around this person? 
right? Another example, like my spiritual mama is a warrior. When I tell you she goes hard for the Lord and she's uncompromising, she's just an awesome and powerful woman of God. And I remember when I first met her, right? Not even being able to like look her in her eyes because oh, she sees me. All the different things like intimidation was so heavy, but I couldn't run from the ministry because of it. I'm like, no, I need to, I need something from her. She has, she has something that I need to go to the next level. I need to be able to learn from her example. So what did I do? I began to learn from her example. I took notes. I watched her, right? And uh, because of, because of my obedience, because of my willingness to stay, I've grown so much further. I've been able to become the woman who I am today. I'm even able to be here on these podcasts to even speak these things to you because I was able to stay and be developed. I, le- I, was, I was letting my character be developed. I was getting pruned. I was getting prepared, right, to be a wife, to be a mom, to be a leader, to be a speaker, things that I wasn't even wanting to do. Because before that, I had never seen a woman operating in ministry so powerfully, so unapologetically, so confidently, with such a warrior spirit. I had never seen that in a, a, in a first lady. I had never seen that in a woman in ministry. And so when I first saw it, I was like, whoa. But I had already seen her in me. You understand? Like I already, already seen that type of person. And so you have to be able to recognize these things so you can move accordingly. Because insecurity is not God's will for his children. It's, it's a result of placing too much of our expectation and confidence and hope in a person, in finances, in our status, and our ability. That's what insecurity is a result of. You you expecting too much from this person or or you expecting them to do this and you're expecting them to do that. And so you become insecure. We have to put our trust and our confidence and our hope and our expectation in the Lord. And so let's talk about what the Bible says, right? We've talked about 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. We've talked about um, Genesis 50, 20. And let's get into some more scripture. So when we find ourselves battling the spirit of intimidation, when we find ourselves battling insecurity, we have to fight. And not with carnal weapons, right? The Bible tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds and the casting down of imaginations. And so when these negative thoughts start coming, we got to cast them thoughts down. We must remind ourselves of who God created us to be. So then when we're feeling insecure, we have to go back to these scriptures like Genesis 127. It says, no, he created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created. He created he, him. Male and female, he created created them. And so we realize, like, no, I'm made in the image of God. And I've never seen anywhere in the scripture where God was intimidated. I've never seen anywhere in the scripture was Jesus, where Jesus was insecure. And because I know who my daddy is and I know that I'm a a heir and I know that I am a child of the most high God and I was made in his image, then I can't operate like that. 
So I started repeating Genesis 1.27. No, no, no. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so if I'm made in his image and I'm created to be like him, then there's no room for intimidation, insecurity, inferiority, none of that. Right? Then I started looking at scriptures like 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So now, when I know I used to struggle with guilt and shame and condemnation and embarrassment and all this, all of these things, fear of man, fear of disappointment for man and all of these things, now I'm like, no, 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 no. If anyone is in Christ, and I am in Christ, they're a new creation, so I'm new creation. Old things were passed away. So no, 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 I don't struggle with condemnation. I don't struggle with insecurity. I don't struggle with intimidation because old things have passed away. But hold, all things have become new. Now I can literally decree and declare these things because I know what my Bible says. So then when I look at Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are his workmanship. Workmanship. Right? Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has already prepared beforehand. So if I'm knowing these things and I know I'm supposed to walk into the things that he has already prepared for me beforehand, before I was born, before I was conceived, before I was a thought to my mom and dad, I'm his workmanship. And I'm created to do good things, good works. So I know that and how I can walk into it. Because it says I'm going to walk into them. That's Ephesians 2.10. And then I think of Psalm 139. We know these scriptures. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. You was already covering me. You was already shielding me. And it says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. So how can I struggle with insecurity if he said that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made? And he said that marvelous is me. He said marvelous are your works. Marvelous are your works. I'm your work. I'm marvelous. Why? Because I am his workmanship. And marvelous are his works. It says my soul knows very well. It says my frame wasn't hidden from you because when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. It says your eyes saw my substance but yet unformed. And in your book they are all written the days fashioned for me. You already know how I'm going to be moving. You already know all the days that you have prepared for me. And y'all can keep reading that. But that's Psalm 139 like no I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not insecure. He covered me in my mother's womb. He's covering me now. He's going to be covering me forever. Why? Because I am in Christ. And then I can look at John 15, 16 says, you did not choose. This is the Lord. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Why? So if I was chosen and I was appointed by God to go and bear good fruit, then I can't be stagnant. I can't be hesitant. I can't be double-minded. I can't be unstable. I can't allow intimidation to keep me stagnant and to keep me unfruitful. Right? It says, and not only am I going to bear fruit, but I'm going to bear fruit that's going to remain. And whatever that I ask my father in his name, then I will receive it. Right? Because he's going to give it to me. That's John 15, 16. And then we have Isaiah 43, Verse 1 that says, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, 
right? That's that word fear again. Don't be insecure. Don't be intimidated. Why? For he has redeemed us. He has called us by name and we are his. So I can't be walking around fear, being fear, fearful of man. Why? Because he has redeemed me already from it. Then you have Isaiah 64, 8, but says, But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. And all we are the work of your hand. I'm, I'm the work of his hand. He's molding me and he ain't make me insecure. He ain't make me intimidated. He ain't make me lesser than everybody else. So I can stand on it. John 1 12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. I'm a child of God. Ain't no way I'm walking in intimidation. Ain't no way I'm going to be insecure all the days of my life. Ain't no way I'm going to be thinking that I'm unworthy. Ain't no way that I'm going to be thinking that I'm inadequate. I have everything I need on the inside of me. Why? Because I am a child of the most high God. I am the daughter of the king. Okay? And then we have Romans 8, 16 and 17, and then we'll move on, where it says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. And heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. I'm an heir. I'm an heir. And so you start changing your mindset. So remember in the beginning, I said, listen, we're going to be talking about the deception of intimidation, what it is, and how to turn what the enemy meant for evil for good with a simple mindset shift. So the things, these scriptures, I'm helping you to change your mind. I'm helping you to shift your perspective. I'm helping you to understand who you are. So when you can understand who you are, then you understand that insecurity can't live here. These negative thoughts that I've been thinking about myself or others, they got to go. I got to cast some things down. I got to pull them down. I my force if need be. Right? I can't be, oh, it's not coming down. No, we, we snatching that thing by force. It has to come down. By the fire of God, every negative thought that I've been thinking must pull, be pulled down. I got to snatch that thing out. And so, I'm encouraging you to be sober, be vigilant, to stay focused and use discernment. In this hour, you must be able to recognize who God has sent to be in your life, right? You have to recognize, you have to be sober enough and to be vigilant enough and to be focused enough to recognize when God has sent a midwife your way, when God has sent your destiny helpers your way, when God has sent friends and family people to be in your life to help you, to support you. And you got to be recognized and discerning. You have to recognize and be discerning enough to know when God has put people in your life that you have to help, that you have to support, that you have to burn something out in them. Because you may have something someone else needs, but if you're constantly focused on your inabilities and the lack and deficiencies and the deficits and all of those things, then you won't even be able to recognize when people are here to help you and when you have been sent to help somebody else. You won't be able to recognize that God has actually chosen you and appointed you to do these good works. So guys, here are a couple examples in scripture that let us know what happens when we allow intimidation to have this way. And I have an example
example of what happens when we refuse to allow the spirit of intimidation to have rule, reign, and authority and dominion over us. And so intimidation, as we know, is going to cause us um, or cause people to not follow or confess Jesus. Right, intimidation will have us being muzzled and unable to speak the truth that is in the word of God. Intimidation will cause us to compromise the truth for acceptance. The oh my, this is good. Intimidation will have us fearing man more than God. Have mercy. It will literally suppress our voice, and we see that in John 12, verse 42. Where it says, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. So this is saying many people believed in Jesus. Many people believed in God. But here's where they messed up. It says, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. So many believed, but not many confessed. And we know in the Bible it says you have to believe, believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have to believe and confess. But here it's saying, no, nevertheless, even among the rulers, even the people who were in high places, the rulers of the people, the people who had authority, it says, man, many of them even believe. Many people, including the rulers, believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Why? It says, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Status, proximity, ability, perception they will rather not confess Jesus even though they believe they will rather not confess for the sake of other people's opinion for the sake of sake of other people's approval for the sake of other people's acceptance it says because if they would have confessed then they would have got put out because the Pharisees wasn't going right and so we this is scripture telling us this but it's here's the thing I love the story we can hear this part and it's like it tells us how intimidation and insecurity and the fear of man and the the need for approval and acceptance of man will cause us to literally believe and not confess it will cause us to know the truth but not even speak it it will literally suppress the truth with us and I have a podcast talking about suppressing truth for acceptance so be sure to check that one out um but aside from this because we see that one picture but let me tell you about a story I love about a woman and she really refused to be intimidated she was like listen I don't care what people gonna think about me I don't care what people gonna say about me I don't care what the enemy is trying to have me believe this is what I'm going to refuse to do I'm going to refuse to be intimidated and her story shows the blessing and the beauty of fearing and reverencing the Lord. And so if you all will go with me to Luke 7 verses 33, Luke 7 verses 36 through 47. If y'all listening just to the audio version, y'all are like, what is going on? Because I am not cutting this out. Um, So, but just look at the video and then y'all kind of see all the different sound effects. Um, but yeah, so Luke chapter 7 verses 36 through 47. And if y'all hear like a metal pounding, like there's construction going on all around me. And so ignore that. Nobody in the basement clinging for their life or none of that, um, construction. Okay. And so Luke chapter 7 verses 36 through 47. It says, then one of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, 
to eat with him. And Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, this is what the Bible says, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she decided to go to the Pharisee's house too. And she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at Jesus' feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Okay? She was like, I don't care. I, I know everybody in the, in the community know I'm a sinner. They know about my life. They know how I get down. But I heard, I heard that there was a man in town. I heard that there was a man who was available to me. I heard that if I could just get to him. And so she was like, I don't care what people going to think about me. I don't care. It says that she came to the house when she realized where he was. She came to meet a man. And she was unashamed. She was unwavering. She wasn't double-minded. She wasn't trying to, oh, should I go? Oh, if I go, are they going to... Are they going to try to expose me? She didn't care about none of that. She went to meet a man and she said that she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now here, we just heard how because of the Pharisees, people who believe wouldn't confess. Now this is what the Pharisee who house they were at. This is what he said. It says, now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he was talking, he spoke to himself. He, he didn't even talk to, he didn't say nothing to Jesus. He spoke to himself. He was talking, like, you know how we be talking to ourselves, like, what they going on? <laughs> you know, it says the Pharisee literally began to speak to himself saying, now, this man, if he was a prophet, would know who and what manner of a woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And we know that Jesus can discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. We, we, we know that from the last podcast, all right? And so, it says, Jesus answered. Now, keep in mind, this dude was talking to himself. But Jesus responded, and he answered to the Pharisee and said to um, him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. And this is the parable that he says. He says, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he, this is Jesus. And Jesus said to him, you have rightfully judged. Then Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon. So he turned to the woman, but he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But yet this woman has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. He said, you gave me no kiss and I'm in your house. You gave me no kiss. But this woman, she has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. He said, you didn't even anoint my head with oil, but this woman, she has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. This is so powerful. This is Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 36. 
um, 36 through 47. And so you have this story of a woman who is like, I refuse to be intimidated by the Pharisee. I refuse to let what the Pharisee or what this man or what this person thinks about me and what they think they know about me keep me from meeting a man. Keep me from believing in the man. Keeps me from confessing the man. You understand what I'm saying? We have to get to a point where we're like, no, I'm not going to allow the spirit of intimidation to keep me from the person who has what I need. I'm not going to allow the spirit of intimidation to keep me from confessing the truth of the word of God. I'm not going to let the spirit of intimidation keep me shrinking, keep me in a shrunken place. I'm not going to let it keep me stagnant. I'm going to not let it keep me unfruitful. I refuse to let intimidation keep me down. This is what's the woman confession. Ah, no, ain't no way. I know I'm a sinner. I know I struggle with this. I know I feel this type of way. But I heard that a man was in town who could forgive me of all of my sins. And it says, listen. He started comparing. He said, listen, I'm in, I'm in your house. And yet, you didn't even do the stuff that she's doing to me in your house. That's why we can't let the thoughts and opinions of men hinder us. Because they'll make us continue to feel insecure. The thoughts that we think of ourselves will help make us continue to feel insecure. Help us to feel inadequate. To feel incapable. But Jesus doesn't look at our limitations or the things that we think about ourselves as a, as a wall. He, he, he goes right through those walls that we try to put up. You understand? And then we have Deuteronomy 31, 6. And all throughout the Bible, we hear where Jesus is literally encouraging us and telling us, like, do not be afraid. Do not fear. And so Deuteronomy 31, verse 6 says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So even when you're in these situations or in these environments where you begin to feel intimidation, and remember we said intimidation means to make timid or to make fearful. So whenever we're in these situations where we feel like intimidation begins to creep in or we feel like these people are making us feel less than or even if we feel like the enemy is causing us to think that we are inferior to these people in these environments whether it's a workplace whether it's a church or a ministry whether it's your family whether it's your own home you have to remember this scripture in Deuteronomy 31 6 that says be strong and of good courage do not fear do not be afraid of them why because the lord your god is with you he is the one who goes with you it says it says he will not leave you and he will not forsake you even in the midst of fear remember he is with us be strong be of good courage listen when I think of this scripture, it reminds me of how we can turn evil for good. Because the enemy wants us to bow down to the spirit of intimidation. But when we're talking about what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it for good. I think about this thing. I don't know if this is a real thing or people have already coined this. But I call it godly intimidation. Godly intimidation. And this is, you can just keep with me. I'm going to give you some scriptures and all of that. But godly intim intimidation causes us to fear the Lord. Right? Godly intimidation is a holy reverence. Right? It causes us to honor the Lord. To reverence him. To be in awe of him. 
it helps us to do the things that don't make sense to others for him. Like the woman who literally took her, 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 her flask of oil. The things that didn't make sense to the to Simon, the thing that didn't make sense to the, the owner of the home, it didn't make sense. He was like, man, if Jesus was a prophet, he would know that this woman is a sinner that's touching him. And it says, like, right here, if we really knew, if we had godly intimidation, we would be willing to do things that don't make sense to others for, for the Lord. And so in Exodus 19, 16, it says, again, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them for the Lord your God. He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So that's in Exodus 19 and 16, but then it's also in Deuteronomy 31 and 6. And then if we go to Exodus 20, verses 18, it says, now all the people witnessed the thunderings. The lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. This is so. This is all that the Lord was doing on the mountain. It says the people, when they saw all of these things, when they witnessed these things, they trembled and stood afar off. In Psalm 22, verses 28 through 29, it says, "For the kingdom is the Lord's, and He rules over the nations." All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him. Even he who cannot keep himself alive. These, this is what it means to have godly intimidation. These are parts in the scripture where it's like God in his might, in his power, in his authority, in all who he is. When it is magnified and manifested and when we begin to see and witness all of these great things we begin to be intimidated, right? But this intimidation will cause us to bow down at his feet. This intimidation will cause us to honor him. This intimidation will cause us to fear the Lord over fearing men, right? In Romans 14, 11 says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Right, so this is telling us that we must have a fear of the Lord. We can't fear man. We can't be timid and fearful of man. The the spirit of intimidation must bow down. We have to put that thing under our feet. We have to make sure that we are not allowing it to overtake us, and we must trade in intimidation of man for the fear of the Lord. Instead, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 1 7 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right? May we not be fools who despise wisdom and destruction. And I decree and I declare that we will accept, that we will cherish, and that we will love wisdom and instruction, that we will seek after wisdom, that we will seek it out, that we will glean from wisdom, that we will do our best to make sure that we are asking and receiving wisdom all the days of our lives. And then Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And Psalm 111 and 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all of those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. So when we're talking about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And it tells us that a good understanding have all those who do his commandments. That tells me that if I'm doing his commandments, then I have understanding. 
knowledge of the Holy One means I need to get into the Word. And if I have knowledge of the Holy One, then I have understanding. So if I read His Word, there's where the understanding comes from. Right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. May you not be a fool who despise wisdom and instruction. And so let's pray and close this out. I hope this has blessed you all, has encouraged you all, have gave you a different perspective and um, mindset shift when it concerns the spirit of intimidation, when it concerns the inferiority complex, when it concerns insecurity and all of these things. And um, I just hope it blesses you or helps you to even be able to identify and recognize the signs of these three um, different concepts as it operates in your life or operates in your daughter's life or your son's life as it operates in your children or your mentees life or those around you your friends and your family members i pray that this will be able to help you recognize the signs so that you can discern them but then also help to deal with them to help to shift them through the word of god and by the power of the holy spirit so let's pray um, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for your daughters. I thank you, Lord, for the ones who have even been struggling with intimidation, who have been feeling unworthy and insecure. God, I pray, Lord, 2 Timothy 1, 7 over their life, oh God, that they will not be ones who have... Um, the spirit of fear, but they will be the ones who carry the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, God. We um, thank you, Lord, that your daughters are stepping into their kingly authority of power, their kingly authority of love, their kingly authority of a sound mind according to your word. God, we thank you, Lord, that your daughters are alert, that they are sober and vigilant, oh God, that their minds are focused, that their mind recognize who they are in Christ, that they are discerning, um, oh God, that they have the, um, the spirit of discerning of spirits oh god and not just discernment where they know right or wrong but god they can discern spirits god when they're operating in their lives and in the lives of others god we pray against the spirit of intimidation and we trade in intimidation for assurance for comfort for encouragement for support and we say lord we trust in your assistance we need your assistance god we thank you that you are the god who assures and covers even when we were in the womb according to your word God, we trust you, Lord. We believe that you are with us in the midst of fear and we receive your protection in the name of Jesus. We trade in inferiority for abundance, for strength and for sufficiency, oh God. We trade in um, the inability and lack, oh God, for the ability and competence, oh God. We activate the gifts that you have put on the inside of us, God. And we believe that you are all that we need and have equipped us with the tools, oh God, and people who can help us in the good work that you called us to god we trade in mediocrity for excellence we trade in unworthiness with your truth that says our work is far above rubies that we trade in unworthiness and the thought of being of being not enough not worthy enough not good enough not equipped enough and god we say no lord you have created us in your image and we are fearfully and wonderfully made so god help us to believe your word that tells us our work is far above rubies rubies that tells us um, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made 
today, God. We know that scripture, but help us to believe it, oh God. Help us to not just believe it, but to confess it, God. Lord, we don't want to be like those ones who believed in you, but because of intimidation, we've refused to confess you, oh God. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are the God of the exceedingly and the abundantly. God, you are the God of more than enough. You are the God who uplifts and promotes, God. We pray against feelings of insecurity and worthiness and unworthiness, oh God, and we trade in insecurity. We trade in anxiety. We trade in self-doubt for your peace. We trade it in for your confidence, oh God, and we receive your joy and we receive the spirit of a sound mind. God, we decree and declare that we are people. We are your daughters. We are heirs who are able to make sound decisions without hesitation. We are daughters who hear from you, oh God. Your word said that your sheep hear your voice and we recognize your voice, oh God, today. And we say, Lord, that we obey without wavering. We obey without second guessing, God. We obey without thinking, oh, is this me? Is this the Lord? Is this the enemy? We, Lord, we know your voice. We are your sheep and we follow and we obey God. God, instead of being intimidated, I decree and declare that your daughters are emboldened, oh God, that they are established, they are encouraged, they are challenged to maximize their their potential, oh God, that they receive the import and the impartation that um, that's needed to go to their next dimension in you, oh God. We expose insecure thoughts, God. We we expose feelings of 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 of, 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 of lack, God. We expose feelings of timidity. Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord, that your word says in Judges 5, 7, um, where 
Deborah is saying, let village life cease until her, until she, Deborah, arose, oh God. So I decree that over your daughters that no longer will things be stagnant. No longer will things be unfruitful, oh God. But we declare a rising up of your daughters. We declare a rising up of your daughters in the name of Jesus. That her home life will be uh, redeemed, oh God. That her home life will be revived. That her personal life will be revived. Her children and her motherhood will be revived, oh God. Her business will be revived. Everything that concerns her is being revived because she is rising up in the name of Jesus. So we decree and declare a Deborah anointing over her life. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, that you are raising her up as a pillar. That you are raising her up as, uh, as, as being needed, oh God. As being valued and accepted, oh God. And she's carved and to adorn a place, oh God, according to your word in Psalm 144 and 12. God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that your daughters are on your heart. That you that you have sent women who need to hear this message, oh God, who've been feeling like they're not able to do what you called them to do. That they're in lack, oh God. That they've been feeling mediocre. That they've been feeling lesser than God. We thank you, Lord, that their mindsets are shifting even now, God. We pray for the little ones who have been struggling with intimidation, who've been feeling inferior, God. We break off those negative thought patterns. We curse the negative thought patterns, God, and we reverse them right now in the name of Jesus. God, we say protect their minds, protect their innocence, oh God. Help them to know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Help them to know that they are chosen and appointed. Help them to know that they are a pillar even in their youth, oh God, that their voice matter, that their expertise matter, that their uniqueness matter in the name of Jesus. Lord, we cry out for our daughters. We cry out for our nieces. We cry out for our mentees. We cry out for those who you have entrusted us with, oh God. And we say, Satan, take your hands off of them. Take your hands off of their minds, oh God. We speak to the voice and to the whispers of their, um, that are telling them that they're not good enough, that they're not beautiful enough, that they're not cute enough, that they're not tall enough, that their hair isn't long enough, oh God, that their voice doesn't matter, that they're not built right. God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that every tongue that rises up against them is condemned in the name of Jesus. And God, we say, no, Lord, you speak a better word over them. We plead the blood that speaks a better word over them in the name of Jesus. And we say, Lord, you have your way. Lord, you have rule, reign, and dominion over their life. God, we pray, Lord, that your word will become their standard of the mindset, a standard of their mindset in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you and we love you. And we say, Lord, be lifted up. Be lifted up. We receive your love. We receive your joy. We receive the sound mind that you have already promised us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. God bless you all. I will see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining me this week on the Girl Get Your Voice Back podcast. If you're interested in learning more about overcoming condemnation and silent shame, be sure to check out my website at www.ebonydjames.com and purchase my book, Silent Shame, The Master's Keys to Overcoming Condemnation to Receiving Healing and Restoration. If you found value in today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating. 